Hello and welcome to Nurture Narratives, a platform for open and uplifting conversations about the societal narratives that shape how we parent. I'm Jessica Hines-Cook. In this episode, I'm talking to Sharana Ali about her experience as a mother. Sharana is a single mom and she talks about finding the courage to make the decisions that were best for her and her daughter, despite any stigma or social pressure. I was really interested to talk to Sharana about what it is like to live in a multi-generational home, and she offers lots of insight into both the challenges and the unique benefits of living with three generations of her family. Sharana is passionate about sharing openly about her experiences to help show others they can do the same. I'm so grateful to Sharana for sharing her story with me, and I'm so excited to be bringing it to you. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Today I'm talking to Sharana Ali, owner and founder of Boss the Sixth Edition. Sharana is on a mission to dispel the idea that we need to be on this journey of life alone. She is doing this through the collective she created, Boss, which stands for Brunch Opportunities and a Support System. Sharana wants to bring so called taboo topics to the table to show people that we can detach embarrassment and shame from them and unite over these shared experiences. Sharana is a divorcee and single mother, and today we're going to be talking about identity changes through life and through motherhood, and I also wanted to talk to Sharana about multi-generational living, because she is living in a home with three generations. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be talking with you. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's incredible to hear that introduction, because quite often, and I think so many of us can say this or attest to this, you kind of just live your life and, you know, continue day to day. But then when you hear it all together, you're like, wait a second, who is that person? <laughs> um, so thank you so much for that incredible introduction. I am so excited and so proud to be here. Um, I think this conversation is going to be so cool, uh, particularly when we start talking about that multi-generational living, um, because it it's kind of a a situation or a living arrangement that I fell into. Um, It wasn't always part of, you know, that master plan. And I say that with quotations around. um, But uh, I think now it's worked out for for the very best. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. I think that's really cool. Um, But first off, can you tell me a bit more about Boss the Sixth Edition and why you created that space? Yeah, so as you mentioned, BOSS is an acronym for Brunch Opportunities and a Support System. Um, And when I break that down, really, I feel like, and I'm just going to kind of take it word by word, brunch, to me, food unites people. It humanizes us all. And I think it breaks down so many barriers, creating an opportunity that, oh, for that support system, really, um, where we're, you know, when you share a meal with something, someone, there's something very intimate about that, right? Like, there's something, again, very sort of humanizing and connecting. And even if, and quite often, which was the case with us, it was strangers around a table that was, you know, now sharing a meal, now having or experiencing this intimate affair. Um, And quite often what I found were people were ready and willing to kind of share, I don't want to say intimate details of their life, often it was intimate details, but they were able to share very openly who they were outside of, you know, so many of society's labels that that we put on ourselves or that are put on us. 
um, when you know individuals join these brunch uh, events, and we haven't started yet, given our situation, but when we do start, um, how I sort of preface the entire um, meeting is, uh, you know, this is your opportunity to unmask from those identities that that society has put on you. And, you know, just to name a few that apply to me. So, you know, when I walk into that room, I'm not Sharana, the corporate worker, Sharana, the business owner, Sharana, the mom, Sharana, the wife or ex-wife or, you know, daughter. I'm literally Sharana before all of that, right? And it's an opportunity to really take a moment uh, to dive deeper into who that person is, but also show up as that person. And often, you know, because we play so many roles and wear all of these hats as humans, not just as, you know, say women, but as humans overall, we often don't get that opportunity to just be and just connect simply for, to connect or simply to, to have a good time. Um, and that's actually the reason I created Boss overall. I wanted an arena where I could just show up, where I could just be myself without having to worry about being a professional, blah, 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 or you know, a mother of a X year old or whatever it may be. I just wanted a space where I could show up be myself, eat some good food and meet some good friends. And, you know, Boss was created because of that. And from there, I really took it upon myself to include that aspect of turning taboo topics into tabletop. Um, because I think, again, as we get older and, you know, as we, as we mature and become adults, there is kind of this blanket that is put on us where we're almost taught or were made to feel as though we're not supposed to talk about certain things or, you know, certain feelings aren't valid or, um, again, certain topics are just taboo. And around this table, you know, this sort of imaginary table, so to say, I wanted anything and everything to be off on the table. Um, again, like you said, to take away that shame, take away that embarrassment and let people know that, you know what, trust me, life isn't, you know, Instagram or Pinterest perfect, that we're all living this real life with, you know, triumphs and struggles, um, and really just to, to normalize it all. That's amazing. I feel like that is so, so needed right now. And it's interesting to hear you talk about the food aspect too, because I never really considered it. And you, like, we both have Caribbean roots. And yes. I, I wonder if that like plays, I know, like many cultures really like gathering around food. And so yeah. you're Trinidadian, right? Or you're I your am Trinidadian. I yeah. Am. Okay. And you're right. Food plays such a huge role culturally. Like when we're happy, we eat. When we're sad, we're eating. When like, you know, honestly, when someone passes away, like the first thing you think of is like, okay, we need to feed that family. Like yeah. to console them. Um and, you know, I think because of that in so many different ways, I do think food is kind of a love language in that way right? That yes. it's, it's nurturing, it is consoling, there is emotions affixed to it. I mean, some of our best memories, I'm pretty sure you can say like, you know, earlier that day, I ate whatever, or like, there's some sort of food element to it. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, that brunch aspect, and really having that as the uniting factor, besides the emotions that we we express over this table, um, it really has created a, a, an environment where people feel comfortable. 
Yeah, that's that's really cool. It's really interesting to hear you as well talk about about your identity and just wanting to show up as you are because I've heard you speak before in conversations. Um, I remember you talking with uh, Pearlie and Colors of Mala, (laughs) Colors of Mala, Colors of Mama, sorry. Um, And hearing you talk a little bit about your your journey and what struck me and you can like correct me as I'm wrong, but I kept thinking, I really felt like your confidence must have like grown over that process. yeah, hearing your story, that, that stuck out with me. Um, Absolutely. I mean, before I started this journey of allowing myself to discover who I am, I didn't have a sense of self-confidence. I didn't have that trust in myself. And I, I don't actually know why, to be honest with you. Like, I, I haven't been able to pinpoint where that comes from because, you know, growing up like I was always sort of empowered to you know have my thoughts my own thoughts and my own identities and you know there was always that freedom to express myself in that way so it was never that I had to uh, fit into a, a mold of any sort but I think you know I grew up in the 90s for the most part I think it was just the thing where you understood that at least for me like you go to school, you follow the rules, you get an education, you know, you get married, you have children, you get a house, you get a car, and then that's it, you live happily ever after. And again, like, I I think that is just the narrative that is continuously portrayed and told, um, at no fault of anybody's, I think. But I also think the reality is that's not the reality, right? Like, you're not guaranteed happiness because of any of that, ultimately you have to create and seek and discover your own happiness. Um, and that is something that I, I honestly only learned, um, I would say later in life, not that it's ever too late, um, but it is something I wish I understood wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, it would have been beautiful in my teenage years, but also I know that's, that's a tricky time for literally everybody. But even in my mid twenties, if I had come to that realization, my life would have been very, very different now. Um, but again, it's never too late, right? It's it's never too late. And the j- journey is continuous, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. it, never, it never ends. I feel the same way. Like, I feel like my, I learned so much about myself when I became a mother and mm-hmm. in my 30s. And that was like, I became a mother when I was 30. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, is it because I became a mom or is it because I'm in my 30s now? Like, I wish there's so many yeah, things I wish I like I knew when I was in my 20s or yeah. perspectives that I wish I had. And I'm wondering if you can like walk us through your journey of becoming a mom, how you felt when you become a, became a mom and then and then becoming a single mom as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I um I, I did what society told me to do. You know, I, I fell in love. I knew someone for quite a while um, over, we knew each other before we got married about seven years. Um, so I thought, you know, this was my person. This would be the happily ever after. We got married. Um, and about two years after being married, we, I had my daughter. Um, and interestingly enough, at that time, um, it wasn't part of our plan to to have a child. Um, But again, I I don't believe in mistakes or, you know, anything like that. And I would never 
never ever say that you know my child was a mistake or something that I regret by any means uh, like without a doubt um I think you know timing with everything plays a very key role uh, and she came along in my life in a time where honestly I, I needed saving most um so I you know I I was then pregnant and I say I intentionally because I personally didn't feel the support that I think anybody going through a life transition should feel, um, you know, particularly because I was, I thought that, you know, I, I got married to a person, I have a person there to support me, someone to cheer me on. I just, that emotion wasn't there at all. Um, in fact, it was the complete opposite. I often felt very, very alone. I felt isolated. There was actually a lot of shame attached to my pregnancy, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I never felt as though I was able to, to celebrate being pregnant. And while I know now that those emotions are, are sort of red flags um, and trouble spots, while I was experiencing it, I convinced myself that it was okay to feel that way because I was still at a point in my life where I wanted to keep myself as small as possible to make those around me comfortable. Um, and I think that's a very natural thought for, for many, many people. Um, but then when my daughter was born, I had a reason. I had a reason to desire more, to want more, to, um, to create a better life. And, you know, I wish I could say I did it all for me. But again, at that point in my life, I didn't have that that trust in myself or that confidence to to make that large step. So I really did need an external force, so to say, um, to give me that reason. And again, I think with my daughter, um, the life that I ex had expected wasn't playing out. Like I again, that support wasn't there. I didn't feel as though we were that. Um, that typical family you see, right, where it was a happy home, um, you know, uh, for example, the home that I was in at that point, um, there was no communication, there was no connection. Um, and besides being, you know, a new mom, human to human, I think you need that, right, you need that, that love, that acceptance, that support, um, even, and I, I hate to say it this way, but even if it's at a surface level, um, at that point in my life, I would have taken that. And what I actually found, interesting that I just said that, what I actually found is any little um, association or action that I um, foresaw as positive, I would hang on to and say, okay, mm -hmm. it's getting better. We're going to do this. Um, but it actually got to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't continue my life as it was. I, again, I didn't want this to be normal for my child. I didn't want her to, you know, grow up thinking that this is what a family looks like. This is what love looks like. I was also extremely miserable. I didn't want her to know me like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also, it dawned on me that, you know, even though I had everything society told me, like I had the husband, I had the house, I had the car, you know, I had the steady job. I, I was broken inside. And I don't think that would have been fair to her, but also not fair to me. And I remember one morning waking up um, pretty early and looking at myself in the mirror and saying to myself, like, this is potentially the next 60 years of my life. Am I okay with this? And I wasn't, I wasn't at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, 
you know, I think anyone who gets gets a divorce, and particularly in my case, it was my my decision where I said, like, listen, I'm not okay with this. I, I want to end this relationship. Um, it's not an instant decision. It's something that you think long and hard about. I think for myself, I knew probably about six months prior to me actually saying the words that I'm I'm done. Um, I think internally and mentally, I knew and I was preparing myself already. And then when I did uh, actually say it, I there was almost like this lift, this weight lifted off of me where you know, on one end, I had no idea what the next minute looked like or what it would feel like, but I did feel this sense of freedom um, and this sort of understanding that ultimately we were on our way to towards a better life now. Um, and, you know, since from there, it hasn't been an easy road. And I don't think life is ever meant to be completely easy, but it has been far more fulfilling. It has been far more uh, uplifting than than ever before. That's amazing. Um, when uh, when you became a single mother, how did you feel your identity shifted at that point? It was, it's interesting. I didn't grow up around seeing any single moms. I had nothing to mimic. No one in my, my circle, you know, could have identified with that. Um, I think I didn't even process what my identity looked like at that point. I think I was just in go mode and ensuring that ev that everyone was okay, more so my, my child, that just making sure that, you know, she felt supported, that I felt some sort of wholeness. It's only now as I look back that I realize the strength and the growth that happened um, or that had to happen extremely quickly because I, I, there was, there was no path. It's like, you know, that story, that fairy tale story, this wasn't the happily ever after that, that folks read about or write about, right? Like I, I now had to write my own story and, you know, pave my own path. Um, and I think through that, that's when the shift of identity um, really happened. The interesting thing that I, I always um, go back to is I remember being, I don't know, maybe 10 years old or nine years old, um, sitting in my room, my childhood house. Um, and this is something that I also mentioned on Colors of Mama. I don't know if you remember this. And I would have what I thought were daydreams. But really, now, as I think back of it, I really do believe there were visions where mm. I saw myself mothering as a single mom to a little girl. But at that time, I thought, you know what, whatever, like, I'm maybe just daydreaming or just wishing or hoping. But I do really think for, for myself, that was foresight into um, what my my life would have been now. Um, because, you know, as I think back on them, I do remember mothering this, this child, it was a little girl, um, we were in, we were in a home with my family. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I do think, I do think that my shift in identity wasn't intentional, but kind of as a, um, as a result of, of what, what I was experiencing. Okay. Um, do you do you feel that there's a like any shame attached to like societally attached to being a single mom? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and that was part of it for me. 
um, I didn't want to deal with that. I didn't mm -hmm. want to deal with, with what people would potentially say, what people would think about me. I didn't want to deal with any of the repercussions at all. Yeah, I absolutely didn't want to deal with any sort of shame or embarrassment. I, I mean, I think particularly, again, I grew up in the 90s. I think there was a lot of embarrassment associated with single parenthood. Like, you know, there's this sort of misconstrued thought where if you're a single parent, you're struggling, you're like, you know, trying to make ends meet, you're hustling, you're not giving your kid 100%. And I just didn't want that attached to me. And, uh, you know, a large part of that is why I am so passionate, particularly through boss, to really dispel that and say, like, no, you know, as a single parent, in fact, I am doing exactly what I want to do. I'm giving my child the life that I want to give her. I'm able to do this because I'm a single mom, not in spite of the fact that I'm a single mom. Now, I will say, you know, that is very much my world where I am, you know, furiously um, working against that. But I think generally speaking, I do think there are still a lot of stigmas and shame and embarrassment, particularly culturally around being a single mom, right? I And I think, you know, in certain areas, it is maybe a little bit more normalized, but I'll tell you, for example, when, like you mentioned, you know, we're Trinidadian. We live here in Canada. So, and I, I bring, I make that comparison on purpose because when you think of Canada, you think, you know, forward thinking, not that you, when you hear Trinidad, you think backwards or anything like that, but it is. You know, you, mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's a shift in thinking that is assumed. And I remember, you know, coming, so I was probably, I don't know, separated for like days and I came home and I remember my mom talking to one of her family members that live here as well, but of, you know, Trinidadian descent. And, uh, you know, her family member said, oh, you know, can I speak to Sharana? So I get on the phone and they're like, oh, don't worry, you'll find someone soon. And I'm thinking like, that is not the point. Like I, I don't care to find someone else soon. It's not just like, hey, okay, I'm done with you. On to the next, like, no, right? Like, allow people to heal, allow people to be divorced. What is wrong with being single in this world, right? Like, nothing. So I do think a couple of things. One, I think society automatically couples people. Um, and I think it starts at such an incredibly young age. Um, and even that coupling, like, it's, I think it's so harmful. But I also think that you know, the gossip mill runs so fast, no matter what your background is, especially as a single woman that is going against the grain and going against what society tells her to do. Um, so yeah, and I think, you know, to dispel that embarrassment and that shame, you have to dig deep into yourself. Again, I don't think you can rely on anybody else um, to 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 promote that as much as I try to promote it I think you know for you to really believe it and really live it you have to dig within yourself yeah for sure How, but was it hard for you to get to that point to like ignore all of that and be like I don't care like yeah <laughs> yeah I'm gonna like I'm gonna talk about this I don't care if you guys are comfortable you know what it is I actually did get to a point where I was like 
I don't care what you say. Like, and someone actually told me this, not necessarily about, you know, my situation, but somebody told me if your people in your circle aren't supporting you, they're not your people. And I really took that to heart and understood that, like, you know what, I am going through potentially one of the hardest emotional things in my life. Like, if you're going to sit there and judge or, you know, gossip, like, get out of my life. I don't, I don't need you. I don't need that. Now that it is easier said than done, there there was a lot of hurt, but I I really I went in protection mode. I was like, I, I don't care who you are, I have to protect myself, I have to protect my child. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else, you know what, if you're here and here to support, you're a bonus. Thankfully, though, my parents played a huge role in that where they got to know my story, they got to know what I lived through and they really sort of uh, empowered me to have that flexibility to say you know what all right like I I don't care to flip that switch around though so for myself it happened very early because again I was in that you know mama bear protect your cub sort of mentality I do know though and you know particularly through Ross, I've heard on multiple occasions where a lot of women will not get a divorce or will not walk away from their marriage or a relationship very much because of that mindset, because people will talk, because of the stigmas attached to them, because they internally do not want to deal with those sort of repercussions at all. And I, I get it. I completely understand and sympathize with that but for me I honestly it weeded out the the good ones from the bad ones for for me very 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 quickly I also think a part of that thought process for me is I spent far too long being hurt and silenced for Mm -hmm. me to continue doing that now that I was experiencing this huge shift yeah I think it's it's really easy for us to be like well why would somebody stay with in an unhappy situation like because of what other people are saying but when that you know like that societal pressure is huge in all the decisions you make I think it takes a lot of bravery to to step outside of what people expect you to do thank you for saying that I I encourage anyone and not just around like marriage but literally if anything doesn't feel right like and you're trust your gut right like really really trust that intuition and that that sensation you get in your gut and follow it right like as hard as it may seem as daunting as it may seem your intuition will fail you and I I really really do believe that yeah um so you mentioned your parents like the support from your parents and I wanted to talk to you about living in a multi-generational home. I heard you discussing that a little bit in one of your lives, which I found really interesting and cool. Um, because I find it funny how everybody is like, you know, you need to find your village, you know, find your village. And then I think, I hope you won't mind me saying that there is a little bit of like stigma as well with like living with your family. A hundred percent. We're supposed to get, we're supposed to ask for support, but when people get it, we kind of like, well, why can't they do it on their own? Like, why do they need yeah, that? Exactly. Especially, and so there's so many comments I have around that. First of all, I have very much come to understand that that way of thinking where you have to do it by yourself and be independent is a very North American thought process where, you know, at the age of 19, once you're an adult, like, 
good luck. As a parent, I've done my job. You're out in the world, fend for yourself. Um, and that, that's being very blunt. But, you know, and we brought up being from Trinidad. In Trinidad, it's very normal as adult children to live with your parents and to, you know, raise your family there. I also spoke to one of my really good friends, you know, about it. And um, she's from Italy. With her too, she was like, no, that's what you do. Like, you know, you you live with your grandparents, you live with your parents, that's that's what happens. Um, but yes, there, like around that, there is still a lot of like faux pas weirdness where people are like, wait, so you're 30 something and your parents are still around you like day to day. And I'm like, yeah, like, and it's like you said, like I did have to find my village and you know, thankfully, I am in a position where my parents have always been able to provide that support in a healthy way, where they've promoted my independence, but also have caught me when I was like, I need help. Mm. Um, and I think that that to me is that to me, honestly, is a parent's job. You know, if you can raise your child to be independent, but also with the understanding and the comfort to know that you're always there for them and you're always you're always going to trust them and respect that I mean I think I think you've done well well as a parent at that point but moving home wasn't it, it wasn't an easy decision again you know we talk about shame and embarrassment and it did run through my mind you know like I went off I started a life I got married I had a child and now I'm going back to my parents like again what will people say what will people think and it, it certainly runs through your mind but more than anything else I realized that I was in a state where I was far too emotionally and mentally broken to to do this on my own or to process what had happened over the last you know years um and also how to navigate going forward, right? Like I was, I was a new mom. I, you know, had a toddler. I didn't know, like I knew nothing about divorce or the divorce process, like absolutely nothing. And, you know, I, again, super thankful for the fact that my parents welcomed me back into their home. My mom hates it when I call it their home. She's <laughs> like, this is your home. You know, you are in your house. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, you know, I, they, they welcomed us, you know, I brought my child home with me. Um, and we've, we've been living with them now for about two years, two or three years. Yeah. And what, what are some of the benefits that you see of having that, that extra support at home? It's, so I, I jokingly say, and new moms will resonate with this. I mean, I'm able to take a shower for at least 45 <laughs> minutes without having to worry. Um, and you know, I, I joke about it, but it's true. The extra pair of hands and the extra pair of eyes, 100% help. On a higher level, the fact that my daughter now gets to see these generational um, shifts and, you know, these generational examples under one roof um, has been absolutely amazing. I mean, I know I grew up dreaming of you know spending weekends at grandma and grandpa's house my grandma and grandpa were in trinidad like that would be a plane ride right like that wasn't just yeah. a weekend um so the fact that she she gets that perspective is incredible um yes the extra support in terms of you know the extra pair of eyes you know of extra pair of 
and um, definitely benefit us both. And I say that because, you know, I don't have to worry about things like, you know, making sure she has three meals. You know, we do that collectively as a family. I do Mm -hmm. genuinely get to focus on mothering her and raising her to be the human I want her to be, which is, is such a privilege. And, you know, very few people get that opportunity because you do, you have to do, put in place the other things to survive, like cooking a meal, like, you know, working around the clock or whatever it may be. Um, so that has been definitely the biggest advantage, uh, but also growing older with my parents, which sounds weird, but like also allowing, also being here to support them as they age. Um, and particularly now, you know, certainly the last five years as a whole, as our entire world, it's shifted so much. The way we think has changed so much. The way we carry about our day has changed so much. And to even process that change with them and have those sort of tougher conversations with them has been so cool. And something I don't think I would have ever gotten had I not been living with them. Because again, had I not been living here, we would simply visit every once in a while. Right? We wouldn't have, we wouldn't really grow up together, which is what is exactly happening right now. It sounds like such a beautiful, rich environment. And I find it so sad that we have such a, a narrow view of what is, like you said, like the script that we're supposed to stick to yeah. and what is normal or acceptable. And like, we know everyone's talking about like, this doesn't really work. <laughs> Like, actually, we need we need support. And like, it would be great to have like, more people around to help and have your kids have these connections with, with their other like family members, which I think historically, like in the past, it was, it was more normal to live in, in multi-generational homes. And I saw something recently where someone said, you know, actually, we've been like primed to live in multi-generational homes. And then that's kind of been taken away but we're left with that that dna and we're looking for for support because of it's so true i mean it i and my parents like together we've worked very 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 hard to make this work and i say that because i mean and you know for those listening right now how many of you could really think about living with your parents again right it's not it's not easy by any means it comes with you know the desire and the need to have very very difficult conversations particularly about mothering particularly about how i want to raise my child uh, particularly about the decisions that i make right it, there is now this understanding that i have come back home now as an adult with a child i'm not that child that left home which has it's created some some deep conversations and emotions Mm. often run very high but again it's building that mutual respect and that trust built relationship between my parents and I now to give them that respect to to be grandparents and spoil my child when you know they want to spoil her but also um ensuring that they are respecting my boundaries and my wishes now as a parent because I will say I am parenting very different than they parented simply because this is a whole new world compared to, you know, when I was say four years old. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that, about the, the challenges that you've come up. So you mentioned just, yeah, like having a different parenting style. Yeah. Um, 
is there anything else that, that has been a challenge? So I would say there has certainly been an emotional level to this that has been a challenge. When I moved back into, um, you know, our, our family home, um, I just started my divorce process and my parents and my brother, they saw me the entire way through. And what I found is, you know, when something would affect me, it would infect the entire family. Mm -hmm. When I was sad or grieving or emotional um, or the opposite, when I was celebrating something or extremely happy, it wasn't just me anymore. It was this entire household. There was particularly as I journeyed through kind of the, the nitty gritty and nasty aspect that divorce often brings about, there was a lot of guilt where, you know, there were moments where I was like, I need to move away from home simply to protect my parents. Like mm-hmm. they don't need to see this. They don't need to be a part of this. Um, I mean, my mom would be so upset that I was admitting that because to, again, and I think this is a parental mindset, even at 30 something, my parents still wanted to protect me, right? They still now want to protect their grandchild at any cost. So I definitely think there is a potential negative aspect to uh, emo- negative emotional aspect to it as well with that understanding that you know you're riding and dying together now right like everything is on the table and that there is potentially no separation mm. and that's the other thing that you know I'll I'll bring up a lot of boundaries that I didn't have before I had to develop and make very clear. So for instance, you know, there are particularly around parenting. Um, again, I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm parenting my daughter the way uh, in a way that they didn't necessarily parent. And what I mean by that is the conversations I have, you know, she's four years old. Um, we talk about anything and everything for whatever reason. The only thing I'm not cool with is if anyone swears in front of my kid, I don't know why, <laughs> but anything else is on the table. Like she's very, very aware of world affairs. Um, and I am intentional about the language I use. I'm not sugarcoating it. And, you know, the first sort of couple of times my parents would overhear me, they were caught off guard and they would say like, what are you doing? You know, she's, she's young. She's, you know, impressionable. And I said to them, like, yes, she's young and impressionable. I want her to be aware, right? It's not coming from a place of like scaring her, but knowledge and awareness and empowerment. And, uh, you know, that created a little bit of a ruffle because they're like, you know, let her be a kid. But to me, this is being a kid right now, right? Like in this day and age, if you're not aware that we have in this world systemic racism, like you're going to be affected by it, right? Like yeah. I want you to know um, at a very early age, you know, and I started laughing because I, I just thought of another example. Um, I was exercising. And I actually wrote about this on Instagram. I was exercising and I got my period and my daughter, she, yeah, she was probably about three at the time. She said to me, she goes, mom, your butt's bleeding. And I'm like, <laughs> My butt is not bleeding. And at that point, I'm like, this is an opportunity. So I explained to her, like, you know, I have my period. This is why this is what's happening. You know, I'm not hurt. I'm okay. And, uh, you know, for a couple of days after she was walking around our house. So my two parents, my brother's home here. And then the two of us, mom has her period. Mom has her period. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, that's uh, I do. So, I mean, there is definitely a comical aspect to it. But it's um, I think, honestly, the hardest aspect is is just navigating that shift, right? That shift in mentality, that understanding 
that I will make decisions for myself and for my child that may not be necessarily the, the decisions my parents or my other family members make. And now, and very recently, um, you know, as I, I look forward to potentially starting new relationships, it started a new sort of level of understanding um, and um, boundaries required with, with my parents where uh, uh, they're scared, of course, for me to, to get my heart broken again. And, you know, now with that aspect of, of having a daughter. Um, but I think, you know, you asked what the, the sort of the biggest struggles were, and I think certainly around parenting, but it's getting around that mindset, particularly for us, where um, that parent-child relationship, while it's there, we're on the same playing field now. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it's, the, it's the tough conversations, honestly. It's the tough conversations and creating that sense of, of mutual respect. Yeah. One thing that you said, which struck a chord with me is um, when you talked about Sharon and like the really difficult moments and feeling like maybe that's like, maybe that's too much. And yeah. it's funny, like we've really been con conditioned to think that like we don't share in our pain, right? We don't share in the yes the bad things that we go through. That's like, that's for us. We can share like in our joyful moments around like new marriages, new babies, graduations, but we don't want to like bring people into the really like messy yeah. part. So I can see how that would have been hard for, for you to navigate. And I also grew up in that mindset, right? Like I, and it was never explicitly said, but pretty much we journeyed through life as a family, as a family of four, I'm just talking when, when we were younger, right? Like mm -hmm. any pain or um, struggle that we experienced it stayed amongst this four walls whereas you know when we went out and again it was never like you know you need to be prim and proper and you know please and thank you but yeah. that was kind of just the understanding that because we didn't have a lot of extended family here that we had it we had to bind together the four of us to to protect each other and to support each other no matter what yeah yeah that's beautiful I I I feel like that there's so much connection. Yeah. Um, that's like the sense I get when you talk about your household, yeah. for your, your daughter to grow up around that. I think it's really cool and amazing. Thank you. It's, it's such an interesting contrast from the life that we could have been living. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why more than ever, I'm incredibly thankful. Um, I always say, and Again, I, if you take anything away from this podcast, it's not a walk in the park mm -hmm. at all, um, yeah. but it's, it's kind of the, the most beautiful process of an ugly situation. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. We don't have to like put a nice bow on everything. It's just, yeah. it is what it is. And that's what I think about when I think about connection too, and having like multi-generations and like our, cause I think a lot of like our societal problems around parenting and children is like this sense of disconnection. It's like, we don't really know what babies are like until we get one. And then like, yes. we also don't really know what like growing old looks like. Yeah. So it's cool for your daughter to see that as well, because it's so true. Yeah. It's, yeah. and you know, on that, it's interesting because even like 
her her curiosity like I very much let it run wild and I know um you know just recently she was asking my mom uh my mom was making dinner she's like she said she goes grandma she goes one day are you gonna die and my mom looks at me and I'm like tell her the truth like (laughs) go ahead and so she, she said to my daughter she's like yeah she goes one day I'm gonna die and uh you know, she said she was hopefully not soon, but, you know, thankfully my daughter, she's very attuned to, um, to the Lion King. So we make a lot of associations to the Lion King. And uh, my mom said, she goes, you know, though, she was just like you learned in the Lion King. She's like, but that's part of the circle of life. And I'm like, good save mom. Good save. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it definitely is. It's an interesting world. Um, but I always say, honestly, the best, the best that could have happened for us. Yeah. Um, so to kind of wrap things up, I'm wondering if you could tell me um, if there's like one modern or current narrative around parenting that you could change, what would it be? I mean, and I say this semi-jokingly, but I, I do genuinely believe it, that we all know what we're doing because we don't. Like, we don't. Yeah. And let's call it what it is. And I, you know, I'm even with my daughter, I'm very honest about it. Like, I will say to her, like, as a mom, and as a human being, I'm going to be, make mistakes. I, I like, there's no doubt about it. And I need, I depend on her to say, like, Mom, I don't appreciate this happening, or I'm not comfortable with this, or this made me sad. I think if we're able somehow to dispel that idea from parenting that, you know, we have to have it all together, that we have to have the answers, that we, you know, know what we're doing, that would be amazing. That would be so, that would take off so much pressure from both moms and dads, or, you know, whatever parenting role you play, I get it, you want the very best for your kids. I think that is also very normal and very, very much rooted in in admiration um but I think it adds such a layer of chaos to to parenting right to you know having to hold it all together hold down the fort all the time that it's just not necessary and it does go back to what you were saying right you can't tie life up in this beautiful bow and just present it as this you know pristine sort of movie because yeah but and not for you know to kind of flip things around how if we try to portray that as parents I think it will do a disservice to our children right because they won't know then how to recuperate from mistakes or failure or you know um being sad or being angry so and honest and you know what I'm saying all of this super confidently but trust (laughs) me they came they came with very hard lessons right like yeah as I journeyed through my divorce like at first, I wouldn't cry in front of my kid because I'm like, I don't want to make her sad. Like, I don't want her to think I'm sad. Mm. But sadness is is a valid emotion. People get sad. And I want her to also know, like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have these large emotions. And it's okay to express yourself. Um, and I think, you know, again, that goes back to if we allow ourselves to, to be our messy human selves in front of our kids or in the parenting world, I think... Uh, I think it would it would benefit everybody so much more. I totally agree with you because we sometimes forget we're like we're going through life alongside of our children. We're not just yes. like stuck in this parenting role and exactly. we're we're the like the person in control who has it all figured out. 
Exactly. You know, we're still growing up ourselves, speaking yeah. for myself anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I every single day, every single day. My daughter does this thing now where she'll say to me, Mama, do you really know what you're doing? And it's <laughs> like, no, honestly, oh I gosh. don't, but I'm trying my very best. Oh, I love that. <laughs> do you know what you're doing? <laughs> like, no, no kid, trust me, I don't. I don't. But that's wow. part of the fun, right? And I think that's the other thing I'll, I'll say. Life can be extremely, extremely serious and extremely daunting. But, and as cliche as it sounds, you only have one life to live. You might as well play with it, right? Like play and have fun and laugh and make the best of it without, without adding a level of like being naive, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I think that's really good advice. And I find like having a kid now, it forces me to, or reminds me to be, to be playful. And that's like one of my favorite things about having a kid. Yes. Yeah. yeah go out there and get messy, get down and dirty with that. <laughs> Just do it. And that the other thing is they're only this age for, you know, 365 days. Like that's it. After that, they're getting older every day, just like we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. That's awesome advice. I love it. Um, so if people want to connect with you, how can, how can they do that? How can they learn more about, about boss? And yes. Yeah. yeah. Great question. Instagram is kind of my, my main spot. That's where all the magic happens. That's where you can read my content, hear about any of the events that I'm hosting, any of the events that I'm part of, any of the books or podcasts like this that I'm a part of. It's all done on Instagram and that's boss the sixth edition at uh on Instagram. Okay, that's amazing. Thank you so much for for chatting with me. It was it was really fun. It was a great yeah. conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nurture Narratives. Please subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Follow at nurture.narratives on Instagram for show updates and to let me know what you thought. Thanks for joining the conversation.